again be on the screen, but if you'd like to follow along, we're in Psalm 100. No, sorry, sorry, that's a lie. We're in Psalm 1. Just on your, checking you're on your feet. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And Lord, once again, as Tim comes up to speak, uh, may we have ears to hear um, you speaking to us, um, and may we really be blessed by what Tim has to say this morning. Amen. Morning. Good to see you. Uh, and can I again add my welcome uh, to John's? It's good to have you. If you are here for the first time, if you've just moved into Birmingham or you're just uh, here because somebody invited you or you just want to know about Riverside, it's great to have you with us. Uh, and for the rest of us, if you're back after a holiday and the holiday has been fantastic and you've landed in dreary Britain uh, today and you woke up this morning and you were thinking, shall I wear my flip-flops and shorts? And then you looked out the window and you thought, no. Great to see you. Uh, it's good to be back together. And both of those readings that we've read this morning include that one word, don't they? Blessed. Blessed. Uh, and my hope and prayer is that this term for us as a church, uh, for us as individuals, we one in which we know how blessed we really are, regardless of what our circumstances uh, may look like. I wonder if you know who this woman is. Put your hands up if you know who this woman is. Don't need to shout out. few suggestions. Her name is Ariana Huffington. And of course, she is the founder of the Huffington Post. She was named by Forbes magazine in 2014 as one of the most powerful women in the world. And the Huffington Post has become one of the most influential media empires on the planet. But if you know anything about her story, over the last two or three years, her focus has shifted a little bit. In fact, quite dramatically, after a simple accident at home due to the hours that she was working and the tiredness that she experienced, she fell in her office one day catching the corner of her head on her desk. Uh, and whilst recovering from that, she began to reflect on life a little bit. So much so that in 2014, she wrote this book, Thrive. And last year, she left the Huffington Post full stop uh, to form a new organization called Thrive Global. And she's done all of this because in that moment when her life kind of put her on pause for a moment, and as she reflected on where she was going, what she was doing, she discovered that her life in many respects was very, very successful. Wealth, power, influence, relationships. And yet she knew there was something deeply, deeply wrong. She says these words in this book. More and more scientific studies and more and more health statistics are showing that the way we've been leading our lives, what we prioritize and what we value is not working. And she's onto something, isn't she? 
We live in a world in which, in many respects, we have more money, more influence, more information, more opportunities than ever before. And yet there is more relationship breakdown, more emotional turmoil. I don't know if you saw the BBC yesterday talking about health notes for the first time ever. The number one cause of health notes coming to work for people taking absences is now mental and emotional issues rather than anything else. The stress and pressure to, in which people are experiencing has gone up exponentially over the last few years. And even in global political events, it just feels as though something's not quite right. And yes, of course, there's the big headlines of the things going on, the big events, but actually there are many, many people who, if they're honest, are not thriving. And many countries that aren't. And so Arianna Huffington goes on a journey in this book uh, to discover it. And, and a part of her answer is this. She discovers that we all have within us a centered place of wisdom, harmony, and strength. And she unlocks it in four different ways, by improving our well-being, by becoming wiser, by developing our sense of wonder, uh, and being willing to give more. Well, I think she's onto something interesting, and I definitely think that her search is an important one. But I want to suggest that rather than looking inside for this solution to having a life in which we feel as though we're thriving, instead she might pay attention to some really ancient literature that helps remind us of what a thriving life really looks like, which is why today we begin this series called The Thriving Life. And you'll get a flyer, you've got a flyer in your uh, Outlooks, take that home, uh, pin it to your fridge. Uh, I wouldn't pin it, that'll damage the door, you know what I mean? Um, and over these coming weeks, we're exploring, for us as individuals, what does it mean to thrive? And for us as a church, what does it mean to thrive? Same question. And as we begin, can I ask you a question? We're going to pause for 30 seconds. Here's the question. Are you thriving in your life? Let's pause for a moment as you think about your answer to that. Are you thriving? Well, as we get into that, of course, the key thing is, well, what do we mean by thriving? <laughs> and so here's a definition of it. To thrive is to grow or develop well, to prosper, to flourish. And other words you might use are flourish, prosper, grow vigorously, develop well, blossom, do well, advance, make strides. So are you thriving in your life? As a church, are we thriving? And what does a thriving life actually look like? That's what this series is about. And we've got those two readings that we've had as our kind of text this morning. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, where Jesus tells us what a blessed life looks like. And then Psalm 1, the beginning of the Psalms, a summary psalm that, if you like, summarizes all the other psalms of what a blessed life looks like. And they all share that word that we've talked about. Blessed. It's a very churchy word, a very biblical word. But what does that mean? 
They both begin, blessed is the person who, blessed are the weak, blessed are the dot, dot, dot. And simply put, you can swap it for words like happy or fortunate or flourishing. So you want to know what a thriving life, what a flourishing life, what a happy life looks like? Both of those passages tell us blessed is the person who, happy is the person who, thriving is the person who. And it results in this kind of life that we looked at, Psalm 1. This life looks like this. A person is like a planted tree by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, important, prosper doesn't mean financially prosper, but it's that well-being, that flourishing. Or as uh, the kind of Bible passage that is so dear to so many of our hearts in Riverside, wherever the river flows, life will flourish. And that river summarizing wherever God is, life flourishes. So three things. What does this look like? Three things that I think are important for us to remember. The first is this. A thriving life is a different life. It's different to the surrounding culture. Looking again to Psalm 1 verse 1. This is what John read to us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Do you see that? Walk, stand, sit. Blessed is the one who doesn't do that. It's not, not walking. Walking's good. But blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked, who doesn't stand in the way that the sinners stake, and doesn't sit in the company of mockers. And that pattern of walk, stand, sit is a familiar for any a familiar one for any of us who are followers of Jesus. As we think about those times in our life where we know we have gone against what God might do, it's this sort of journey. It begins with journeying alongside, walking in a direction away from God, just with things in our mind or things that we might be interested in doing, but it's nothing actively bad. We're just kind of heading in a sort of trajectory away a little bit. And then there comes a moment where we stop and we stand just like David on that rooftop as he looks at Bathsheba lingering. And we stand for a moment and focus on that thing, whatever it may be. And then, of course, the next response is to sit down, as it were, take our place there, immerse ourselves in it. And many of us have got examples of that in our own lives, habits that we're involved with, things that we want to shake, kind of tendencies that we all veer towards. And that pattern is very real, isn't it? And the scriptures read us that a thriving life is a different life from that. But it's important for us to clock that this is not just the kind of big sins that church might talk about or you, that people might know about Christianity. Actually, listen again in step with the wicked, in the way that sinners take, or in the company of mockers. In other words, this is a lifestyle that is different from the surrounding culture, full stop. In terms of the aspirations, the dreams, the hopes that our surrounding culture might have. 
the goals that we might have in our lives, the things we wish to achieve, the things that we feel empty about when they don't happen, are they the same as Joe Bloggs down the road or are they different because of Christ? The dreams we have for our family, the hopes we have for our kids, the hopes we have for our relationships, the longings we have about jobs, are they different because of Christ? Or are they the things that are the same as the company of mockers, as it were? So it's a different life. And a question for us as a church is, are we as a church different to society? Now, of course, the easy answer is in many respects, yes. But are there areas in which actually anyone will come in and think, well, they're no different from me. They sing a few songs, but that's not that crazy. Are we different people? If we want to thrive, writes the psalmist, don't live the same way as everyone else. Live a different life. So can I ask you, what does that look like for you? What in your world at the moment, you know where you're beginning to walk towards something, or maybe you're standing looking, or you're just beginning to sit down there. What is it that's not different? So thriving life is a different life. The second aspect is this, though. The thriving life is a rooted life. Now, in a sense, this word, I wasn't sure about this word. There's, you could have other words like spacious or ordered or prioritized, but rooted seems to work. Listen again to Psalm 1. Verses 1 and 2. So blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Do you notice that? We don't really thrive apart from a relationship with God. And that's important for any of us for whom church is new you may have come along for the first time and you're just exploring this Christianity or, or Christianity's formed something in your history, but if you know it's not really part of who you are and Jesus doesn't really make much difference. We don't really thrive apart from that relationship with God. Listen how he describes it. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Who meditates on it day and night. Many of us, if we're honest, long to make changes in our life and we kind of make sort of circumstantial changes. We might want to sleep a bit more or we might want to rest a bit more, or get a hobby or, you know, work a little bit less or just be kinder or whatever it may be. All really good things. But apart from that relationship with God, they are the equivalent of shining up a plant that has no roots. I've got a friend of mine who's got some of that fake grass. I don't know if you've seen that fake grass that kind of looks amazing when you get these sort of plastic bits. And you have to buff it up. And so he's got this sort of hoover that hoovers over the grass rather than lawnmower to make it look impressive. Hiding, of course, the fact that it's just rubber. And of course, the scriptures remind us that surface changes are a bit like that, buffing up something that has no life. True thriving life is rooted in God and rooted in Christ. And of course, the psalmist reminds us what that looks like. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. We need to be rooted taking time with God. A spacious life in which we make actively space for God. And I know that for some of us, that is bonkers. 
but somehow in the middle of our circumstances, is there a way that we can build in this time to meditate, to reflect, to chew on the Bible, to spend time with God praying reflectively? As one author writes, one tragedy of today's life is that so little serious study of scriptures made. Not reading and meditating on scripture can be compared to starving to death while the cupboard is full of food. And can I give a personal example here? Many of you will know that I'm having a few issues with my voice at the moment. And over the summer, I've been reflecting and obviously kind of wondering about this and all this sort of stuff. And I wonder if God might be saying to me, Tim, shh. And physically, shh. But also, actually, Tim, space. Take time. Not be so active, so busy, so focused, so delivering that actually we forget the one who gives us life in the first place. And I guess for some of us, complex though it may be, the encouragement for us this morning is, is God saying, shh, come, spend time with me, walk with me a while. Listen, pray. So that's the second thing. It's a different life. It's a rooted in life in God. But the third thing is this. You might be thinking that is great, but I don't have that space in my life to do all this. To be honest, Tim, if you knew what was happening in my world at the moment, all this stuff is a million miles away from my heart or what's going on. Well, that's when we turn to Jesus' words in Matthew 5. Because the third aspect is this. Yes, a thriving life is a different life. Yes, it is a rooted life. But it is also a because life. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me compare for a moment the reading that John read from Matthew 5. It's a famous passage. Jesus' famous words, blessed are dot, dot, dot. And there's loads of them. The poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and so on. And as, over the many years that I've kind of looked at this, I got this wrong, I think, until the last few years. Because I used to read this as being, you should be poor in spirit, and if you are, then the kingdom of heaven is yours. In other words, do this, you'll get this. So, blessed are those who mourn, so you kind of should be a bit mournful about sin and all that sort of stuff, and then you'll be comforted. In other words, it's about cause and effect. Do this, this will be delivered. And of course, what's the savior in that? Who's the solution? Me. It's what I need to do to gain that blessing. However, recently, I've begun to realize I don't think that's what Jesus meant at all. And an alternative, if you like, translation is this. Flourishing are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So you could say, rather than blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, you might say, flourishing are the mourners because they will be comforted. In other words, there is something that is in Jesus that brings comfort and therefore those people who are mourning are blessed and will flourish. The point is this, thriving lives, lives lived to the full, are not based on circumstances. And in fact, 
if your circumstances are ones that are heavy or burdensome or sad or difficult, maybe, just maybe, you are closer to the kind of life God is calling to us to than when we're oblivious to it. So what I'm simply going to do is read through these Beatitudes that John read earlier, but in a slightly different way. And I'd love you, maybe if you'd find it helpful, to close your eyes and to reflect on which of these relates to you. Remembering that it's because all that we have in Jesus, all that he offers to us, the freedom and hope, the forgiveness, the life, the joy, because of that, then in our circumstances, we are able to know that we are blessed even in those circumstances. So can I invite you to close your eyes if you'd find that helpful? And I'm going to read the Beatitudes, and I'll pause at the end of every one just for you to reflect. Flourishing are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Flourishing are the mourners because they will be comforted. Flourishing are the humble because they will inherit the world. Flourishing are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. Flourishing are the merciful because they will be given mercy. Flourishing are the pure in heart because they will see God. Flourishing are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. Flourishing are the ones persecuted on account of righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And flourishing are you whenever people revile and slander and speak all kinds of evil things against you on account of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven.